Can everyone hear me? So the gates to the deathless are open. This uh, this uh, is an important reflection <coughs> because, uh, like the word "deathless," is uh, you know, is, is uh, to uh, to most people is a kind of, you know, it's an abstract, an abstraction that we create with words. <coughs> so we can, uh, we can make words up like deathless or immortal or unconditioned. But, uh, and then we, we think we understand what they mean. Then the and death is another word that we think we, you know, it's a common enough word, but uh, it's still something that we we really don't know. We haven't died, so we we uh, we use the word, and we've known people have died, uh, and uh, therefore we assume that we we will die. But the word die, death, is still a word that we uh, regard very much as uh, about uh, the end of our physical life, the end of our body, when it, when it stops breathing and consciousness leaves it, then, uh, then we're dead. <coughs> we don't really know what that is. As a direct experience, so then uh, we we know what breathing is and thinking and uh, loving and hating, uh, being frightened, being bored, uh, feeling 
good, feeling bad, elated, depressed, uh, all these various emotions, emotional experiences we're, we're very familiar with. We know what it's like to, the, the suffering we create around identifying with the body, just how, you know, idealizing the human form and then uh, wishing one you know, looking at one's body in, in some kind of critical way or wishing it were healthier or taller or shorter or fairer or darker or younger, prettier, or whatever. But the, the, the body uh, we all uh, experience in the present moment. So the body is sitting here and now the breathing is uh, going in and out. So bringing attention to the here and now, the way it is. Uh, the deathless then, what is the deathless here and now? Or the unconditioned. And so this is uh, this is a, a question for self-inquiry, not for an answer. Because how do you describe the deathless? You know, what words can, can define it and describe it? It's a kind of word that, that uh, we, we, we use, but how ca is it, you know, Deathless, because what we what we, uh, we when we think of immortality, we usually think of it as some kind of Greek uh, deity, the immortals who have physical forms live up on top of Mount Olympus, or some kind of angels, or but these are all kind of uh, forms that we create in our mind. These are images that we create in the mind, and images arise and cease in the mind, don't they? Now, even if you believe in an immortal deity, that very belief is, uh, is, comes and goes, isn't it, in terms of experience here and now. The recollection of remembering the deity and then, then reverencing that, uh, but you can't sustain the image because images come and go, forms arise and cease. So, and the Buddha encourages us to be aware of this. This is the way it is. All conditions are impermanent. So forms, uh, whether they be subtle or coarse, material or mental, psychic, emotional, imagined, um, Whatever they might be, anything that formed is is the uh, conditioned phenomena, and so we reflect on sape sankaranicca. All conditions are impermanent. <coughs> now, probably you know, in terms of the here and now, what is death here and now? Then, now if you if you think of the English word death, 
in the terms of you and your future or the physical body. But what is death really? You know, even the, the death of the body, it's the end of what was born, isn't it? So birth conditions death. So birth and death, they're, they're, that's the conditioned realm. Every condition, whether it's a physical body, uh, a mental uh, body, a psychic body, a subtle body, coarse, emotional, whatever it is, all forms, in other words, uh, they begin and end, beginning is birth, ending is death. So get simplifying it down to what we can actually reflect on in direct experience here and now is what the Buddha called a handful of leaves. And he said, I'm giving you just this much, a handful of leaves, not all the leaves in the forest. So the basic pattern, you know, the Buddha was pointing to the, the way it is that all conditions are impermanent. And, and so this is uh, pointing to this reality that we can observe here uh, while we're sitting here in the, in the temple. Here and now, we, we, if we pay attention, if we really uh, are mindful and paying attention to what we're experiencing now, we, we're experiencing change. And just the... Uh, the, the experience of your body or sensory impingement through eyes, ears, nose, tongue, body, mind. All the forms, all the conditions, all the thoughts, all the feelings, uh, energies, whatever, uh, subtle energies or coarse, pleasant or painful, their, their very nature is this anicca or change, birth and death. So when people talk about what happens when you die, you know, they say, what, what do you believe, Ajahn Sumedho, when somebody dies, what happens to them? So in terms of here and now, I can say I don't know, because uh, in terms of the way they mean death, and in terms of how physic my physical body dying, it hasn't died yet. How do you expect me to know? Wait until I die, and then I'll tell you. <laughs> but does that you know, does one need to really wait, or is death just the ending of what began? So this is for reflection and contemplation. So what begins and ends right now is your your thoughts come and go. Your breath it rises, ceases. Your, uh, you know, the sensations of pleasure, pain, uh, neutral sensation, uh, sensory impingement through your seeing, smelling, tasting, touching, hearing, emotional states, you know, good or bad, mm. elation, depression from all the extremities of experience to, to the ordinary uh, neutral conditions, all conditions are impermanent. So this is a, 
a statement, a, a statement about the way things are, or the Dhamma. The Dhamma is the word we use for the way it is. The truth of the way it is. So the Buddha is pointing to a pattern. You know, it's not uh, point to to what we can obviously observe most easily at this moment. You know, which is uh, which is uh, you know because we are here. We are. This is the time is now. The breath is going in and out. The body is sitting. Uh, you're feeling something or other. Pleasure, pain, heat or cold or various emotions, thoughts uh, arising and ceasing in your mind. So you, you know, as you tune in, you begin to observe the way things are. What arises, ceases. Just like with the breath. If you inhale then you can only inhale up to a certain point and then you have to exhale. You can't imagine uh, uh, where you just keep inhaling forever. But uh, you know, that's sometimes what we want from life, isn't it? We want just that, that wonderful experience of birth and to its peak moment, the, the breath the inhalation from the beginning, from its birth to its peak moment. And then like to have more peak moments or sustain it at it. But try to sustain the, the, the uh, end of the inhalation. So just by reflecting on this pattern, this is the pattern of all phenomena, gross or subtle, you know, some, some some mental states and that are energies are very subtle. We don't even notice them most of the time. Others are very coarse, and and all the uh, gradations of between coarse and subtle are we are experiencing. So this reflecting on the way it is is really verifying this not just grasping the, the idea of impermanence, but really being with the arising and ceasing, the beginning and ending of, say, emotional experience. Now, as many of us, you know, that we've had to learn how to receive our own emotional, um, the uh, reality of our emotion in the present. not just re follow it and believe it or try to resist it or suppress it. Now, in many people's lives, our life maybe have been spent trying to control emotional experience. Because, like the breath, is not much of a threat unless you're having, you know, uh, asthma or something where you do feel you're about ready to, to breathe your last. But they ordinarily breathing is not is easy to watch because it's not any it's not a strong identity and uh, it's it's kind of neutral experience but emotional experience of say on the extreme level of 
of um, falling in love or being besotted or or some great and wonderful emotional experience to an elation, uh, an experience of elation or depression. But as we observe this, the emotional reality of the present, our relationship to it is one of receiving it, accepting it for what it is. So this is what we call sati sampatanya, where we 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 begin to notice the the kind of quality or state of mind or mood that we're experiencing in the present. So it and of course moods change. They're like the the weather. Sometimes they're very pleasant, sometimes they're very unpleasant. But in terms of, but and also we, we tend to strongly identify. <coughs> we become our emotions. Or we're trying to control, maybe our emotions are too strong or too threatening to us. So we try to control them, resist them, deny them, get rid of them, try to not have any. Or maybe we're just hopelessly caught every time an emotion rises, we're just thrown into it and, and, and become that emotion. So when we're high, you know, it's like uh, when we're high, we just get high. And when we get depressed, we just get depressed. And there's no kind of helpless victims of the moods of the, of the moment. So with awareness then we we begin to instead of just trying to control judge or identify or blame emotional experience we're using it we're observing it it's the way it is you know so a lot of emotional experience is quite subtle if you, you know the more extreme forms are quite obvious, extreme emotion is quite obvious, and and quite you know it's like being really angry or enraged or indignant or or jealous or really frightened or falling in love, being ecstatic and on top of the world. All these are quite strong and quite obvious, but much of our life is is neither nor those extremities. So we can live in a world of just kind of anxiety, a kind of generalized anxiety, or or kind of worried state, be uh, a kind of grayness of of emotional experience of doubt, uncertainty, insecurity. So in reflecting on these, you know, not trying to, you know, say there's anything wrong with this. Emotions are what they are. You know, so the, the 
Sati Sampachanya is not a kind of, you know, summing up and saying you sh- how you should feel or what your emotions should be, because that's asking the impossible, you know, for you to, for me to tell you what you should be feeling right now. <laughs> but, but you, and I don't know what you're feeling right now, but you do. So this is uh, pointing to that, uh, encouraging you to really receive the, the kind of mood, the, the state of mind, whatever you want to call it, the, the, uh, referring to the, the mental atmosphere or mental environment. Then we oftentimes refer to this as jitanupasana, satipatthana, in the four foundations of mind, the jitta. So consciousness, you know, like consciousness, we're all experiencing consciousness right now. And then what arises? The consciousness is... uh, is you know is something that that is just a natural condition we don't create it but we create what arises and ceases in consciousness so what we're doing then is is beginning to let go you know instead of trying to control emotion and and uh, out of fear and ignorance we're actually uh Accepting, receiving the the mental state, the mental environment, the mood of the present. So this is uh, this way, you know, allows us to to open, receive, accept, not judge, not evaluate the mood, but recognize it is what it is. Discern it. And this is panya, the Pali word panya, wisdom, discerning wisdom. So a mood, you know, whether it try to, you know, once you recognize this kind of inner environment, state of mind you're in, learn to have an attitude of receiving it allowing it to be what it is. Because the tendency for most of us is to uh, try to control it in some way, try to get rid of it. If, it's a, if we're feeling uh, bored or doubt-ridden or uh, depressed or anxious about we want to usually try to get rid of those, those negative states, distract ourselves change the subject. Or if the if the emotion is one of elation, we want we want to hold on to it. We want to just be have the, that wonderful high all the time. I could just be permanently high. Like a permanent high. I remember going to a Hindu ashram years ago in India and uh, you know, I'd been a monk for, for about six, seven years 
going to this Hindu ashram, and everybody was high in this ashram. And I remember the people used to walk around, and the women in orange saris, and they all had this kind of blissed out look. <laughs> and, uh, and living in the ashram, it was, it was kind of like you were on a high there. <coughs> and I thought, that's not like I experienced it at Wat Pa Pong in Thailand. <laughs> <laughs> and, <laughs> and I stayed there uh, over a week, and and uh, so I kept, you know, I talked. They had a lot of Westerners uh, at the time, and so I asked them about. And they they said, well, once they leave the ashram, the high goes. When they have to leave the ashram and go into Bombay, then. It Another state of mind takes over, and, uh, and so the, the you know I was quite impressed because I thought I wouldn't mind having a permanent high either. You know I rather like that state where you're just kind of blissed out and happy all the time, and all the negative stuff doesn't seem to to arise. But then. I recognize also because of the reflective ability to to uh, to contemplate in contemplate the experience in terms of Dhamma. Uh, I began to see that you know how um, that like the Wat Pa Pong, the monastery I lived at in Thailand with Ajahn Chah, that was that was that wasn't a place where you got high, but it was more peaceful, much more peaceful than the ashram. The ashram always had these, from the early in the morning to late in the evening, they had loudspeaker system playing bhajans. And, and uh, so there's always this, and these pujas, and, and there's this incredible kind of devotional, uh, the devotional practices going on. And then they used to do the most kind of wonderful pujas where they, the sitar and the tablas and, and people just get so kind of into the rhythm of that kind of Indian uh, bhajan style. And, and this is where a lot of hippies and people like that had come to live there and they'd all go into kind of dancing mode. And they all, one one woman I saw, I, used, I think she's like a rag doll. She, her, as soon as the tablets started, her neck would seem like it, there was no bones in it. It'd just go like this. <laughs> <laughs> and then I'd sit there, you know. I couldn't, I, I just didn't feel I could go and do that. <laughs> and be mindful, and I thought they must think I'm an old stick in the mud, you know, because uh, you know here they're having such a wonderful time, and I'm just sitting here. And the Swami, you know, uh, Swami Muktananda, and he, and I thought, I wonder what he thinks of me, you know. Everybody else is swinging, and I'm just sitting. <laughs> and he, he's actually playing the sitar. So one day. One of the evenings, you know, after all that, he, he stands up 
and he points at me and he tells everybody, you should be like him. <laughs> uh, wow, that's... <laughs> But the stillness, and like the, when I talk about stillness or silence, this inner poise that, that is mindful, then that, once you, you detect that, like that to me is like zero, it's nothing. When, when I refer to sound of silence, I'm talking, referring to the, the, what's happening right now, not some subtle sound you create through special conditions, but a natural uh, sound or vibration that you can rest in because it, it, is, it sustains itself. It's not a create, I don't create it, and it's not dependent on conditions. Just so by recognizing that, realizing the, the importance of that, that to me is the still point, the unmovable center of being. In that, resting in that point, there's nobody, you know, there's no sense of me as being anybody. So it's like, it's zero, nothing. I'm nothing, in other words. Starting from zero, from nothing, then what arises out of nothing. And from that view of from nothing, then you begin to, to recognize the birth and death of conditioned phenomena in terms of the mental states you're experiencing. So, so this is like the, the emphasis on the deathless then. Now you have to test this out for yourself. I'm not trying to convert you or convince you, just sharing what I've learned. And maybe I'm wrong. I'm <laughs> you know, but but uh, just this is for testing out, for experimentation. But from my own experience then, this, this still point, this silence, you know, if I trust in that, rest in that, then it sustains itself. I don't have to hold on to it or, or, or keep it. Just rest in it. Bathe in it. Be it. Then, as I feel confident in that, I can be aware of the mental states, the, the thoughts, the, the emotions, the feelings that arise, the experiences through the senses. <coughs> so <coughs> what I observe is that in this emptiness, in this stillness, conditions, condition phenomena arises and ceases. So I'm looking at it from this kind of microcosm of the conscious moment, here and now. Not trying to understand the macrocosm, like 
God knows all the macrocosm, you know, all about everything. <coughs> all the whole universal systems and everything. But from the position of this being here and now, this is what I can know for sure, what I can verify, what I can prove to myself. And using the Buddhist uh, terminologies, the Buddhist teachings, all conditions are impermanent. And I've never, never seen a condition that was permanent. then that receptivity to emotional experience. Now this is the real challenge, living in a community. Uh, you, we're going to trigger off all kinds of emotions, you may have noticed. And so we, you know, there's, uh, that's just the way it is, we, you know, the way we affect each other through sight, through sound, and so forth, uh, you know, so that this is uh, attraction, aversion, love, hate, uh, uh, whatever, all these uh, jealousy and fear, intimidation, um, all kinds of, and resentment, and, and preferences, and views and opinions arise and cease. So it's not asking you to form any views and opinions and that you should only feel love for each other all the time because that's an impossibility. <laughs> Isn't it? You have to love everybody here all the time, permanent state of approval and liking, which is, is not the way it is. But uh, we do feel what we're feeling. You know, maybe we don't want to feel the way we're feeling. A lot of feelings I have I don't want. I'd rather not feel that. But that isn't any good because it complicates it. Now I'll have the feeling, but then I don't want the feeling, and then I try to get rid of it. Everything becomes really complicated, and I become a real neurotic mess as I endlessly struggle and complicate every moment of my life. But if I stop doing that, trust in this awareness, stillness, and this stillness receives, you know, it, it's, it's not selective. It's not picking and choosing and preferring any condition. It'll take anything. Any conditions allowed. So in this stillness, this vast expansive stillness, consciousness operates. And then the forms that do arise are received, they're accepted, not judged. So it's not a matter of whether you like or don't like them or whatever, but of just recognize them. They are what they are. Boredom, uh, anger, uh, anxiety, worry, discontentment, resentment, they you don't even have to name them. You don't, uh, you don't have to even define them with a word. Just energy, things that move, that you're aware, that just are, you're experiencing now, but maybe you, you don't have a, you know, you don't have any name for that particular 
experience, but it is what it is. So this is, uh, and then if you allow things to be what they are, they change. They have their natural span. They arise and they cease. So your relationship to the conditioned realm is one of receptivity and uh, acceptance. So when these words like acceptance, doesn't mean approval, because approval is some kind of judgment, meaning that you, you, you know, you like it and you you approve. But acceptance doesn't mean liking or approving. But we can accept whatever, even if we don't like it, if we trust in this awareness that is, be in fact, be this awareness that is willing, that that can receive. His very nature is receptivity. And then your Dhamma practice is to discern the conditions, the, the presence and then its absence. So this discerning ability, Sati Panya, mindfulness and wisdom. Through that, then you, you're actually not creating any more karma. To create karma, you have to grasp the conditions out of ignorance. So like personal karma, you know, in order for that to take effect, you have to, to believe that what you're saying, what you're doing, what you're feeling is you, and, and you judge it as a good karma, bad karma, or neutral karma. Now, in terms of, of karma, if we, you, if we, if our refuge is in awareness, then our karma does arise. You know, I do feel this way. When these things happen, when, when, this con- when these conditions arise, and that, then this is the feelings like this arise. And the willingness to receive those feelings and let them be what they are, then their nature is to cease. Uh, and then there's no karma because you've allowed a karmic condition to fulfill itself. The nature of conditioned phenomena is impermanent. Its karma is like that. So it is what it is. You know, it's a whether it's a good karma or bad karma, it's not the point. Your relationship to it is knowing it for what it is rather than identifying, judging, trying to get rid of it or trying to get hold of it. So what is it really saying? What am I really saying is that, that there is no death other than conditions. Conditions born and die, are born and they die. Those you want to use begin and end or born and die, it doesn't matter, they mean the same thing in, in, terms, of in, in terms of condition phenomena. So if you want to understand death, 
in a direct way right now. Just watch, just observe. Be the witness to what you're experiencing. Be in the, that stillness, attentive to what's happening. And so this, uh, then the, the conditions are born and die. When a condition uh, dies, what's left? I find when, when I allow things to die naturally in their natural way, it's peaceful. So when we chant Anicca Vata Sankara Ubatava Yatamino Ubachitava Niruchanti De Sangubasamo Sukho, this is a, a traditional reflection that we do in, when, uh, at funerals, reflecting on impermanence. Uh, all sankharas are impermanent. They arise and they cease and in their cessation is peace. So, so then you can see when the Buddha was saying that he's teaching Dhamma, which is neither some kind of uh, high eternal idealism or an annihilationism, this is actually stating it's what we call the middle way, the Majjhima Bhattibhata, which is the way of mindfulness, deathlessness. So in, say, in my own practice, then this deathlessness, I always, I always refer to the present moment I'm not trying to figure out what the Buddha said about the deathless and, and research it through the scriptures anymore because, you know, I, I realize it's not something that you can define and you can speculate and philosophize about it but, but uh, you know, then you're still caught in the realm of, uh, of being in the, in the world of conditioned phenomena all the time, thinking and doubting and and grasping uh, somebody else's ideas or views about it. So just ask yourself in terms of in this moment here and now because this is all there ever is, isn't it? There's only there's, you know, there's no tomorrow no past, there's only experiences right now Enlightenment is right now. Nibbana is now. So as long as you, you hold to, as long as you don't recognize this, the importance of now, then you're always, your practice is practicing something with some idea of what you should be doing now to get some kind of imagined result in the future. Where do you think that's going to take you? What, what what good is that? Except you, you know, you're just you're never breaking through the illusion. You're 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 perpetuating it all the time. So breaking through the illusion is 
is through this this uh, self, this uh, stillness, recognizing, listening, paying attention to the present, investigating this present moment. So the Yoneso Manasikara, Mother Polly would look, getting to the very root, to the beginning of everything. Where does everything begin? And in terms of my experience, is from this point zero, you know, this this uh, empty place of being. So, in you know, somebody was saying to me that they've been practicing many years and they they don't feel they've improved at all, gotten anywhere, <laughs> and so. This is a this is a thought that arises, isn't it? Actually, you, you're not you don't get anywhere. You know, this, this imp- if you're getting somewhere, you're not doing it right. <laughs> <laughs> but it's it's uh, it's not a matter of getting anywhere in meditation, but awakening, trusting in that awakeness, which is very simple, very direct. I remember, you know, when I, in Thailand years ago, I used to be very diligent in practice and, and uh, used to, I used to like ascetic practices, uh, you know, really torture myself and not lie down and not eat. And, and, uh, and I could get really high. I found out I could get very high on asceticism. And uh, and then it also created a sense of I'm really, you know, I'm pushing it to the limits. I'm going to get it. And I oftentimes did get something, you know, for all that effort. I did get something, you know, which I thought was, I was I'm really getting, my practice is really, I'm really getting somewhere now. You know, so... I, it kept this idea that you have to do all this in order to get somewhere. Now that, that, is, that whole attitude is based on self. You know, based on me, the sense of me as a person that has to do something, get something that I don't have yet. And b- by doing something, you know, to deny myself or to push myself or to beat myself up or do something I found out like fasting I'd get extremely peaceful because food uh, tends to stir things up eating one, even one meal a day you know you even don't want to eat anymore because it's just too coarse and uh, you get very quite refined but then I'd lose it. You know, once I stopped doing all that, uh, then, then I'd, I'd lose that. I'd, what I'd gained, I'd lose. That refinement or that, that kind of what I was, you know, the, the, the good result of gain, I'd end up losing it. 
So this is just reflecting on this process is, is uh, you know, where Lumpur Cha's emphasis was always on ordinary monastic life. We never did kind of ascetic practice. We could do them on our own, but he never encouraged it. Just daily life. So we can get up in the morning, puja, meditation, getting ready to go on alms round and the alms round and then eating the meal and on and on like that through the day. Just the routine of monastic life. Awareness in the ordinary. Well, I at first I didn't like that because it was, you know, it was, uh, didn't seem like I was getting anywhere in that way. Where when I really kind of pushed myself, uh, you know, in that way, I felt I was getting someplace. But then, <coughs> after a while, I, re- I could see through that. You know, sometimes we have to do those things in order to, to see through that, that illusion of I'm somebody that has to really get something by doing something really special, some extreme practice. So I'm just encouraging you to to question, you know, you know, not not to judge, not to say you shouldn't do what you're doing, but what you are doing, can you are you aware of the mental state? of the basic illusion of I am somebody who's got, who's got to get something I don't have yet. Or practicing from the desire basis in which you, you have some memory of something you've had in the past and you're trying to get it again. Or you have some ideal image that you're trying to attain, that you're grasping some, some idea of enlightenment or progress that you're trying to get through doing uh, meditation. Awareness, then, is the receptacle for, for all conditioned phenomena. And, and the illusions, the, the, uh, whatever, they, whatever they might be, you know, it's not, not, say, not judging, but recognizing, realizing the birth and death of conditions. So the death of conditions, emptiness, nothing. But it's not annihilation. When when everything dies in you, there's pure awareness the stillness, the bliss of that, that peace. Natural state, it's not created. So that's why there's no reason to be afraid of death, actually. Now, if you die before you die. So, Lungpacha used to always say that, die before you die. And so we can, you know, I'm using the word death deliberately 
Yeah, just for you to to recognize the ending. No, don't you don't have to wait for the for the big moment when you're physically dying. But just observe the ending, the cessation. And that takes, you know, this this trust in this awareness to rest in it so that you can allow something uh, to to live its natural time span in your consciousness. Let it be what it is. But not with the attitude of, I've got to do this. It's not, not from grasping what I'm saying and trying to uh, act accordingly. But, but this, what I'm pointing to is, is, is an encouragement to learn how to trust yourself in awareness, to rest in this natural state of being, to be this awareness itself, where you're nobody. There's no, there's no sense of being anything or anybody. But it's certainly conscious, intelligent, discerning. But it's not, I can't claim it as some kind of personal uh, attribute. One of Shakespeare's sonnets, he says, and death once dead, there's no more dying then. <laughs> so, in <laughs> so even Shakespeare understood this. But in uh, but this this is, you know, when we say "upasamo suko," and all that arises ceases, and in its cessation is peace. So this peace then is this stillness the, that we access through awareness. You know, which will be the mirror for such things, subtle things as restlessness and, and uh, subtle energies and that that we, we have, it, we experience. And the more you, you test this out, now I'm asking you to test it out, investigate, put it to the test, because this is not a, something you just have to believe in or go along with what I'm saying, or just disagree with me because you might have a different take on it all. I'm encouraging you to just to to uh, to open to yourself. This is the universe. This is the world. You know, so this is the world we live in. And the, the world I create is my own, you know, the thoughts, the emotions, the habits that operate through this form that I experience in consciousness. So in terms of the karma, you know, each one of us has our own karmic uh, conditioning. You know, so we, we have different uh, emotional habits or views and opinions or problems or whatever. You know, so, but that's, that's, not, that's not the problem at all. It's like, you know, the, the, the awareness is the same. We're one in that awakened awareness. Deathless. Amatatama. 
Amaravati. I named the place Amaravati, Deathless Realm. So, what I've said this evening is for uh, reflection and investigation. And if you don't believe me, that's okay. <laughs> and if you'd rather do it your way, okay. And I just, <laughs> I just want to encourage you from, you know, from what I've learned, uh, I'll share that, I can share that with you. Mm -hmm.